Hello. Hello. to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive, encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman haters to sappy bullfighters, from Curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback podcast. I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, The Three Stooges. This is episode 29, covering the short Wee Wee Monsieur. First things first, I use Wikipedia, IMDB, and ThreeStooges.net mostly to find all the info for the episodes and I usually watch them on Daily Motion or YouTube. I've read most every book on the boys. And I use my own brain to formulate opinions on the shorts as well as regurgitating the opinions of others. With that said, let's get on with the show. Wee Wee Monsieur comes in with a running time of 17 minutes and 45 seconds. Wee Wee was filmed over five days from November 12th, 1937 to November the 17th, 1937. It was released February 18th, 1938. It stars our heroes Curly, Larry, and Moe. Produced by Jules White and directed by Del Lord. They are regulars by now to clear-eared listeners. Story and screenplay by Searle Kramer. Looks like he has 26 writing credits from 1936 to 1968. I Dream of Jeannie, Green Acres, 14 Stooge Shorts, among others. I remember the name from a previous episode, but there's next to no info online, at least that I saw in my travels mentioned earlier. We have some uncredited supporting cast names here as well. Vernon Dent as Simmets, the Arab chief. He's been covered numerous times. He was besties with Shemp. Emil Sitka, who will show up later, he had a moving remembrance of Shemp's, fr- of Shemp's funeral. Vernon was blind by that time from diabetes, although he had kept it a secret somehow. Not the blindness, the diabetes. Uh, He took a long time at Shemp's casket, paying his respects. William Irving shows up here as Captain Gorgonzola. He was big, so to speak, as he was a large guy. Uh, He was big in the silent era, though. Once sound came, he was kind of relegated to smaller roles and often uncredited. He worked with our gang, you know, the little rascals and was in over 220 films between 1916 and 1941. Christmas Day, 1943, he was crossing the street in Hollywood. He was hit and run, and he was killed. Bud Jameson is here again as the Legionnaire Sergeant. He did 450 films, which still amazes me. Uh, still amazes me. He's been covered previously here also. Harry Semmels shows up as the boy's landlord. We have covered him a bit as well. He did 315 films between 1917 and 1946. John Lester Johnson is the harem guard. 
So roles for black people were problematic back then, to say the least, uh, as we have heard previously in this podcast and just through life, if you've been aware. <laughs> um, the boys were not racists, and they gave black folks, black actors, work whenever they could, but they were really not in a position to do any of the hiring. Uh, you know, just kind of absolving our heroes a little bit here. Anyway, John Lester Johnson was in World War One as a buffalo in a Buffalo Soldier Regiment, which meant they were all black. He is best known for fighting Jack Dempsey in 1916, and uh, for playing Bumbo in a 1933 Hour Gang short where he is a native who loves candy. Even the description of that online sounds too racist for me to read out. But as an actor back then, you know, you take what you can get. So, uh, Jean de Brac Jean de Brac came to the U.S. in 1915 from France. He was in 120 films from 1920 to 1962. Here he is playing the gendarme, or the French police officer. Eugene Borden, he's the enlistment officer. He was in 150 pictures and TV shows. He was in The Fly, the first one, help me, help me, and a bunch of high-profile work, An American in Paris, All About Eve, just to name a couple. He died in 1971 at the Motion Picture Home. I believe that's where Larry ended up as well. So Ethel Rita Leopold is here again. How could you forget a name like that? She worked with the Stooges, Abbott and Costello, and had a bit part in The Great Dictator by Chaplin. Listeners might remember that she won a popularity contest for 109 Busby Berkeley girls. She was the most popular. She was in 65 pictures, roughly, more or less. And finally, we have Tanner the Lion. Okay, this one's a bit longer, because MGM called all the lions in their logo... Leo, Samuel Goldwyn, Louis B. Mayer, and Marcus Lowe's Metro Pictures merged into MGM, and they have used 11 lions as their logos. Lions. <laughs> Tanner the Lion, here, as an actor. <laughs> he was used for 22 years, from 1934 to 1956. He's also, as an actor, in the movie, in the short Movie Maniacs, the 1936 short where he chases the boys, quote-unquote. I would suggest looking up the MGM Lions and reading about them. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in stuff like that, and it's a pretty neat little read. Uh, I think they were treated well also, which is nice. Kind of surprising for back then. Maybe it isn't, but it seems surprising to me. But anyhow. So we open on a shot of the Eiffel Tower. It reads, Paris, somewhere in France. The boys are artists. Curly is painting, Moe is sculpting, and Larry is playing the piano. They sing about the lollipop. <laughs> Moe accidentally hits Curly with his chisel and does a terrible accent. Russian, maybe? He's trying to be French, but it is not good. Pardon, pardon, comrade. Wee, wee, wee. So Curly says, we should be careful of what we do around here. You know, chiseler. Larry says, gentlemen, my music. He's very put out by all their foolishness. He's, you know, he's a very delicate genius. So Curly has finished his masterpiece. 
and which is lucky because we find out that the boys owe eight months back rent. Now, right around this time, a fishmonger goes by in a cart, and Larry sets the table by flipping over the piano, uh, you know, the opening thing, the but the you know, uh, in the beginning or at the, at the beginning. So it's an upright piano, and uh, he flips the f- kind of the front of it down uh, above the keys into a table. And it's already set with the dishes and glasses and everything like that. <laughs> so Curly says, I'll do the shopping. And he shops by uh, using a fishing pole out the window with the old stewed standby. Mo asks where the eggs are, and Larry says, they're in the oven. He says, uh, Mo opens it up, and the, the eggs have hatched into chicks, like in an incubator. And Curly hooks a huge fish and pulls it in, hitting Mo, who then hits Curly. Curly says, fish ain't good enough for you, huh? I'll get you nothing. He goes back to the window. And uh, this time he hooks the gendarme in the butt. Jean de Brac here as the gendarme. It rips his whole pants off. <laughs> he wraps a jacket around himself and runs away down the street. So the landlord knocks at their, at their uh, studio. And Curly says, there's nobody home. And the landlord, which is played, played by Harry Semmels, almost leaves before realizing, wait, nobody home. <laughs> So he comes back in and he says, you pay now, you you know, you owe me eight months back rent. You you pay now, you go to the Bastille. Curly says, oh, I have, uh, I have a masterpiece, you know. He says, I, sh- I show you my masterpiece, we're going to sell it. And uh, to be honest, I thought it was going to be a stick figure or something. But it really kind of looks like a Picasso or something to me. I don't, I, I looked it up and couldn't, fig- couldn't find out what they used. He's called it, uh, the painting is called Made on a Night Out, Winding a Grandfather's Clock with Her Left Hand. He says, masterpiece, fooey. Curly says, what do you mean? This will be worth a fortune after I'm dead. <laughs> he says, ah, well, I should kill you now and find out. He hits Curly and Curly gets mad and, you know, breaks the painting over the guy's head and they all run away. We see the cop, the gendarme, wearing a barrel now. <laughs> and the boys jump out the window. The stunts look pretty good here. They're not dummies dropped. You know, they're real stuntman, stuntmen doing the jumps out the window here. So Curly's feet land in two watermelons, and he runs off with them down the street. So now we've got the stooges, they poke their heads, kind of one, two, three, around the corner. We've got no food, nowhere to sleep. What will we do? Larry says, if we were in America, we could join the WPA, which I had to look that up. That's a New Deal program that got millions of people to work on public works projects. Dams, bridges, all sorts of stuff. Huh. Wish we had something like that now, but uh, anyway, they see a sign for the French Foreign Legion, and they think that since they're members of the Legion in America, that these guys will just send them home in a taxi. It's the foreign branch of the American Legion, is what they think. So they say to the recruiter, you Foreign Legion, we American Legion, brothers legionnaires, get it? We want to borrow some dough, we want to go home. We want to borrow some dough. So he speaks only French, and they sign a paper, and it turns out that they are inducted into the French Foreign Legion. And that's when he speaks English very well. <laughs> they try to run, and he hits a button, which closes a cell door, and they crash into it. Mo says, well, it looks like we're in the army. And that's the end of the scene. We cut to Bud Jameson saying, it shall be done, Captain. And the boys are listening to him. They do some of that, uh, you know, hut-hut business with switching the rifles and whatnot. You know, trading rifles back and forth, stooge business. And Bud Jameson says, The natives have threatened Captain Gorgonzola, played by William Irving. Guard him with your life. 
the boys salute by kind of slow waving, like, all right, you know, left to right, big, big wave, which is pretty funny. The boys have some business with uh, turning this way and that now at attention, <laughs> drawing their bayonets. They elbow Jameson in the chin, you know. He rolls his eyes as they start to march back and forth in front of the tent, guarding the place, you know. Curly gets mad that he can't keep in step with the other two, which is kind of a funny little... Meanwhile, two natives slip in when they are turned around, and they kidnap Gorgonzola. Curly keeps getting hit with the rifles as they turn, and he's ducking. Jameson, Bud Jameson, comes over, and he sees that he's missing. The captain is missing, and he enlists the boys to help. you got to find it. you got to find him. They run around like a bunch of idiots shouting, Here, Captain! 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 Here, Captain! You know, like looking for a dog. <laughs> so they will face a firing squad for allowing this to happen, but they beg for another chance. And Curly says, remember, your mother and my mother were both mothers. Mo says, yeah, on his father's side. Just a funny little what? Uh, Mo and Curly shake hands at their cleverness, which is a great little bit of business. Curly gets him, uh, Curly bets him a buck. Yeah, he bets him a dollar that we bring him back alive and... Mo, I'm coming to see Mo's subtlety a little more than I ever had before. You know, he's he's got some funny, funny faces and whatnot. So the boys must go in disguise here because no white man has ever entered the camp of Simmets. We see the entrance to the camp and a sentry is there. The boys pull up in a sleigh, like a Santa sleigh, pulled by a mule that they have put antlers on. And they're all dressed as Santa. Who goes there? Santa Claus, the sentry says. Ah, oh, there ain't no Santa Claus. <laughs> and looks pointedly at the camera, which is just a weird little thing. But the sentry comes down and looks in Santa's sack. And they knock him on the head and dump him in the sack. So the door is locked inside. So Larry gets low. Curly bends over and Moe walks them up like stairs. Uh, he walks up them like stairs, which is funny. Like Curly, Larry gets really low, then Curly just bends over at the at his waist, and Mo just steps on Larry, steps on Curly, and climbs up to look at the window. It's a nice little bit. Inside, we see Vernon Dent as Simmets talking to Gorgonzola, the prisoner. Tell me where the ammo is, and you can live and be rich with jewels. And he says, "Never." So the boys sneak in an open window the same way they did before, and Curly has to be pulled up, pulls them both out instead of up. <laughs> Mo smacks him. Curly gets a really serious look on his face and says, Oh, you hit Santa Claus. No toys. <laughs> Curly goes first now this time and drags Larry up by the hair. <laughs> and and Mo too, who's holding on to Larry. So the boys are in the room with the harem. Curly says, Oh boy, why WCA? Mo will take the blonde, Larry will take the brunette, and Curly the black and tan. Curly starts waxing poetic, you know, Ah, oh, my fair beauty, open thy curtains so that I may see thy beautiful kisser. And she moves her veil. And, uh, you know, obviously she's hideous with teeth missing and whatnot. And Curly faints. He looks up at another harem girl who's beautiful and says, Where have you been all my life? She says, <laughs> calls her toots. She says, Down at 33rd Avenue, I just got over. <laughs> Curly reminisces with her. The old pool room is a church now. No kidding, she says. I think this is uh, Ethelreda Leopold, but I, I'm not sure. The ugly girl, quote unquote, I believe is Ida May. It's hard to tell through the mists of time. Uh, so Mo is with a brunette, even though he claimed the blonde. <laughs> He's reading her palm and she is eating something. He notices, what are you eating, stingy? 
She says nut. He says nuts, and she says no garlic, and blows in his face. <laughs> Larry sees his girl lay back and eat grapes, not to be outdone. He leans back and holds up a pineapple. He's gonna eat a pineapple like that. He squeezes the pineapple above him, and juice just squirts out all over. So we cut back to Curly, who is now blindfolded. She says, "Catch me, and I'll give you a kiss." And Curly wanders off into another room where he finds Simmets, who pulls his scimitar. But uh, Curly pokes him in the eye and runs away. The boys hide in a closet of sorts. Lots of women's clothes for the harem. We will feed them to the lions. Yowza boss, says the, says the guard, played by Jonathan, John Lester Johnson. Yowza boss. Simmons says to Gordon Zola, you won't be rich. You won't get your pick of my women. Come look at the most beautiful flowers of the desert. And in saunter the boys in drag, their faces covered with veils. They're all dressed like belly dancers. And their veils pull open, pull open side to side like pull curtains if they pull a string, you know. <laughs> uh, so the boys hide among the harem girls. Simmons claps. Simmons. It's not Simmons. Simmons claps and all the girls blap, bow low. And then they start a dance. The boys watch and then start to copy. And <laughs> their ridiculous dances are great. Uh, pretty funny stuff there. The lecherous look on Vernon Dent's character's face is really funny too. As Simmons. So the boys do a can-can thing, that type of dance, you know, the high kick. And they end up high-kicking Dent, knocking him out. The guard comes over, and his his lines are, uh, oh, massa, oh, massa, which is not great. But probably they were probably problematic, too, back then even, you know. So they the boys drop an urn on his head, and he's knocked out cold. They grab Gorgonzola, and they run out. He says, we got to bring you back alive. And so they run through a door. says, we should be decorated for this. But they're not outside. They're in a lion's cage. And Tanner the lion roars. But the door is locked. <laughs> Curly barks at the lion, though. Ah, ah, and it runs off, which is pretty funny. It's all in how you do it, Captain. And it it runs back in, and everyone goes around the corner, and we hear uh, scuffling sounds, and the boys are yelling and whatnot. Then we see the lion come out, and he's pulling a wagon, and the boys are driving the wagon. Mo says, I guess we showed him who is boss. And Curly says, what do you mean, we? And barks at him. Mush, mush. And that's the end. So Curly is the man at the end of this one. The boys are heroes and the day is saved. It's unbelievable, really. This is a fantastic short. I really loved it. So the bit with the boys dressed as Santa to get into the palace, that, uh, that bit gets used again with Shemp. In Malice in the Palace, 1949, which is 11 years from this one. That is a great short as well. I'm going to get to, uh, I can't wait to get to all the Shemp shorts. I like Shemp just as much as Curly. And uh, then we're going to do all of the solo shorts of all the boys. Shemp had the most, and uh, but we're going to do as many solo shorts as I can find. I think Curly had a few. So Z Lollipop song the boys are singing in the beginning was written by the Stooges. Pretty nice work, I guess. When the sentry says, there ain't no Santa Claus, uh, that's a nod to the scene with the same dialogue in a, Mark, in a Marx Brothers film, The Night at the Opera from 1935. I wonder what kind of rivalry they had, if any, of the, if any the, 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 two college, the two teams had. You know, or they, or they probably the rivalry was probably more in the media 
you know, like a Beatles Stones kind of thing, as opposed to the bands actually being rivals. Because the Stooges were in shorts and the Marx Brothers were generally in feature films. The Stooges lasted longer. So anyway, I may look into that more in the future just to see if like, you know, Mo and Zeppo hated each other or something like that. Who knows? So this short gets an 8.19 on threestooges.net, which is way too low in my opinion. I'm going to go with a 9, maybe even a 9.5. I really thought this one was funny. I'm going to go with a 9, but I thought this one had some great, some of the great subtle lines and the business that I like from the Stooges, as well as like the Stooges, you know, crazy stuff like the melon shoes and all the physical stuff they're known for. Online, it seems like the fan reviews like the first half of this short more than the second half. But I think I like the second half better, you know, but who can say? So I guess that's it. That is going to do it for this episode. Tune in next time when we will look at the next short, Tassels in the Air. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all of the nice messages about the podcast. Go to anchor.fm if you want to make your own podcast. It's a great free site. Takes a lot of the guesswork out of podcasting and helps you monetize things and just helps you get the ball rolling and going. Please rate and review the show if you like it. That really helps the algorithm and gets the show in front of more listeners. Really helps, evidently. If you're not a fan of the show or you don't think it's good, then please don't. You don't have to rate it. Just leave it alone. But if you really enjoy it, you want to do me a solid, please go and rate the show. Anyway, I have once again been your host and chief knucklehead, Gabriel Russo, broadcasting from Stooge Studios right here at the back of the house. See you next time. Bye.